Welcome, everybody, to another great podcast from the Crystal River Church of God. Whether you're on your way to work, on your lunch break, or even taking a jog, our prayer for you is that this helps you to find focus for living. We truly hope you enjoy this message live from CRCOG. Tonight I want to continue on in that vein of Friend of God Part 2. Thank you. Friend of God Part 2. I, I got real creative when I, after last week's message and came up with Friend of God 2. Yeah, some of y'all get that about the time y'all go to bed. Amen. In the book of John, we're going to go to, back to our same scripture I used last week. We'll put a, bring a few more into this. Um, I, don't, I, I, was, I was trying to get somebody's attention so I knew what channel my, uh, Althea was on. Did you mention the babies we dedicate in Sunday? Well, I know, but I just still want to tell them. We're dedicating 14 babies Sunday. Somebody been busy during COVID. I don't know, all of them is not baby, but, you know, anyway, I think that's kind of cool. Thank you, musicians. God bless you. In the book of John, chapter 15, if you're there, say amen. If you don't plan on finding it, say go ahead. I'm going to wait on the ones that are going to find it, so there. That's right. For those of you who don't know, that's in the New Testament. Pastor, why you, because some people don't know. Why are you finding that? I used to. You know, and I would say, you know the rest of the story. And, and finally somebody come up and go, Pastor, I'm new to this. And I don't know no story. So I try not to do that anymore. I'm always, I'm always glad that you have young Christians and baby Christians in the house. Because how many understand when you got babies in the house, they upset everything. Babies, they don't sleep when they're supposed to sleep. They don't eat when they're supposed to eat. They don't, they don't hush when they're supposed to hush. And so that, I love... I love young babies, Christians, because they worship when they don't know they're not supposed to be worshiping. Amen. They just, they just love Jesus. The Bible says this. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I've loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. I want look at somebody and say, I'm, I'm, I'm his friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his, his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things. That I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Verse 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Verse 17 says, This is this I command you that you love one another. It doesn't mean you got to like everybody. I know you can't believe I'm telling you that. I don't like everybody, but I love everybody. I love everybody, but like has to do with me wanting to hang around, right? And some people are saved jerks. 
Don't point at nobody. So notice the words here in chapter 15, verse 15, when it said, I have called you. I have called you friends. He said, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slaves don't know what the master's doing. But I have called you friends. How many of you sometimes still think that you must be a slave because you have no idea what God's doing in your life? I'm just going to put some people off the hook. I don't know what he's doing. I know he's doing something, but he ain't told me yet. Probably because I ain't spent enough time with him for him to share the details with me. But I'm just going to let him do what he does. We tend to remember what people have called us and forgot what God called us. Here he said, I have called you friends. And wouldn't you think that what God calls us or you is more important than what people have called you? How many people, don't point at them, but how many people have been called things that you're not? How many of you have been called by the wrong name? If you've been around this church any length of time, I've called you by the wrong name. Amen. I, I did Alan's wedding and known his name as good as my own and called him Adam in his wedding. Adam, do you take? He goes, I don't know about Adam, but Alan does. I was just checking to see if you was listening. But we've all been called things that we are not. And when Jesus spoke to this group of Christ followers and said, I used, now I want you to hear this. I used to call you slaves. I used to call you servants, but now I'm calling you friends. That was a defining moment or maybe a redefining moment in their lives. There's a state overseer, one of the first state overseers, uh, uh, Jimmy D. Smith of the state of Florida. I remember the first time he was ever in my house. He came to my house, and we didn't want anything. He didn't come in to, to, do, a, to do a vote, or we had trouble. We just It was a Thursday night, and my, my wife's a great country cook, and we invited him up to eat. And so he came, and I knew we were going to be friends. He's about 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and I'm in my recliner. Because every man knows that the recliner goes to the man of the house. Unless your wife tells you to get out. But anyway, I was in the recliner and he was talking to me. On the lo- and he was on the love seat and he kind of slid down a little bit. The next thing I know, he's laying all the way down. And he drooped that big old leg over the edge of my couch. I'm like, yeah, are we just crossed the line. You know, we just crossed the line. Now we're becoming friends. We love to sing about taking the limits off of God. Enlarge our territory. Stretching out. But you can't become more until you're more. Lord, take the limits. Some of us can't handle if God took the limits off. Because you have not developed to a place that you can handle what God wants to give you. Now define means to set limits, to, buy, to, to, to bound, to mark out the boundaries. 
And so when I say that this is a defining moment for the uh, children of, or for the disciples, it was really a redefining moment. So it was a time when Jesus was setting the limits, was marking out the boundaries for his friends. He said, you used to be servants, and when you're a servant, you come so far. But when you're a friend, you come into the inner court, right? You come a little closer. There are many of us who work with maybe your boss is not your friend. They're your boss. But when you, it's great when you become friends with the boss, and you can be friends, but they also are your boss. So, point number one, if you're taking notes, and these are on you version, because last week I forgot. What you define, now hear me closely, what you define becomes confined by the definition you give it. I want that to sink in. I don't want you to pass by that. Whatever you define, that, that person, that thing, becomes confined by the definition you give it. Oh, this is my work truck and then it becomes the work truck and when it's defined as the work truck you don't really take that good care of it because it's the work truck right so how I define someone or something determines how I relate to it or them well I'm preaching some great truth here and y'all like what what wait what hold up All right, good, good. Let it sink in. How I define someone or something determines how I relate to it or them. You see, this little woman back here, no, no, not you, the the other one, my wife. I'm just kidding. Uh, I I did that one time at a revival. I said I want my wife to stand up. Total stranger stood up and started testifying. She sat down, I go, I'd like to have my other wife stand up and say something. <clears throat> but this is my wife. Wave your hand so everybody knows who you are, baby. That's my wife. Now, when I say that is my wife, I'm defining something. She's not just my girlfriend. She is my wife. My girlfriend, who happens to be my wife, but if she was just a girlfriend, my girlfriend don't have access to my checking account. My girlfriend don't have keys to my house. I know y'all shack up, but when you were a real Christian, let me move on. She don't have keys to my car if she's just my girlfriend. Well, mine did. That's because you're crazy. But when they are your wife, that means I'm no longer single. She's no longer single. We are a pair. So how I define someone or something determines how I relate to it or how I relate to them. If I define you as unkind, untruthful, untrustworthy, mean, vile, that is, is going to be, that, that's going to determine how I relate to you. Pastor, can I talk to you? Mm-mm. Why? Because you mean. 
Pastor, I need to tell you something. I don't want to hear nothing you got to say. Why? Because you're untrustworthy. Are you listening to me? When you know something about someone and you define it, that then it, be, it becomes confined to what you know and how you relate. You know, uh, uh, well, let me move on. If I define you as kind, sweet, honest, that is going to determine how I relate to you. See, listen, you know, uh, Sister Caps has been in our church for, Lord, 25 years probably, close to it. She's taught, so she's taught both of my children when they were kids in the third grade. She's taught all my kids, a lot of your kids. She is a sweet woman. I don't know the woman that her children talk about that used to beat the fire out of them. But my definition of her is sweet and kind and a prayer warrior. Are you listening to me? And that's the only way I know how to relate to her. One of the paramount operations of God in our lives is the redefining of our persons. That you don't have to be who you used to be. Matter of fact, it is a quality and a character of what God has and is doing in your life. If you can't know, if you don't know that there's been a change, then there probably hadn't been a change. But when other people are going, man, I can't believe. I can't believe what a change God is doing in your life. You know, we've had some, we've had some people come to church because God was doing a work in their family. And they go, or in their children, they would bring their children and drop them off. And then they said, we got to come see what's going on in this, in, in this church because our children are changing. I know some of y'all are thinking, I dropped my kids off, they got worse. That's because they were playing with the other kids. Anyway, <laughs> boundaries are either restrictive or enlarged by this definition. And since experience and people tend to define us as less than what God has called us, God must redefine us. Because if you talk to people, you ain't ever going to amount to anything. All you ever going to be is a drunk. All you ever going to be is this or that. All you ever going to be is no good. All you ever going to be is no account. So if you hear this all the time, it takes God to redefine that in us. But we've got we've to cooperate with God. Wait a minute, Pastor, God's got, no, no. We've got to cooperate with God. That, you know, God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for progression. Are you better today than you were last year? Are you better today than you were last week? And I'll be the first to tell you, some weeks I am, some weeks I'm not. Some weeks I regress, some weeks I progress. But how do we accomplish this? We see it over and over in Scripture. Over and over in Scripture, Genesis 32, 27 and 28 says this. So he said to them, and we're talking about, uh, 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 we're, we're talking about Jacob. And uh, so when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, and he said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Now, Jacob means supplanter, liar. Can you imagine if everybody called, what's your name? Drunk. What's your name? Adulterer. What's your name? Lustful. What's your name? Liar. Can you imagine going around and everybody goes, hey, supplanter, which means liar. Hey, liar, deceiver, come here. 
soon, you're going to start believing what everybody's calling you. So God's got to change that. And that's what God does in us. And, and, and you know, I, I talked to somebody today, and they were like, I just can't believe that God would use me. I said, that's the kind of people God loves to use because you will give God all the credit because you know you don't deserve. You don't deserve to be used. See, he goes, he said, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And then the angel of the Lord said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have strived with God and with men and have prevailed. See, some of you need to understand, you're no longer that person you used to be. You're no longer, you're no longer that person. You are who God says you are. And if you do what he asks you to do, he calls you friend. What do you call yourself? Boy, that's a, that's a dangerous question, isn't it? What do you call yourself? I'm not talking about what, you know, I'm the man. No, no, no. I'm talking about when, when all of it gets quiet. What do you call yourself? When you're by yourself with your thoughts, when you are by yourself with God, the Holy Spirit, what do you call yourself? And I would beg to differ that most of us, it is a negative, not a positive. Because we're basing who we are on what we've done in the past, but God is basing who you are on what He did in the past and what He's going to do in your future. So who do you say you are? What do you call yourself? Your designation shall no longer, here's what, here's what God was saying, your, your, your designation shall no longer be heel catcher. Your designation is now he who rules as God or for with, uh, with power, influence with God, authority with men. How about Gideon? I can take you through it. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hit a couple of them. How about Gideon who the Bible said he was hiding behind the wine press. Threshing his wheat. He was hiding. But God says, mighty man of valor. What? God, and he's like, who, me? No. See, God always speaks to your potential, not where you are. God always speaks to what, what he put in you, what he deposited in you. Even before the, before the doctor ever spanked you behind, God knows what he deposited in you. And the Holy Spirit will use the rest of your life trying to get out what God put in. So Gideon, mighty man of valor. How about Abram was changed to Abraham. Cephas to Peter, which means rock. Saul to Paul. Because what God does is renames us. He relocates us, and then he repopulates our lives. How about, he called the, he said, you went from a servant to a friend. He's defining it. He went from somebody unloved to beloved. He went from somebody who was a loser to more than a conqueror. The poor to the prosperous. The drunk and punk to the ready and the steady. From sinner to saint. Now the key is to receive. What's my next one? The key is to receive and believe what God calls you. Refuse to answer to or respond to any way lesser titles. Refuse it. Refuse it. You know, there, you know, you know why some of you don't turn around when I call your name? Because I'm calling you the wrong name. Hey, hey, hey. Mallory. I, I, I mean, Malloy. 
Oh, I, I know Malloy, but I'm not a Mallory. All right? Robert. No, no. Hey, why don't you talk to me, Ronnie? Oh, no, it's just Ronnie. See what I'm talking about? And that's what we need to do with God. When the devil comes in and says, loser. Man, I don't even know who you're talking to. Unloved. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I know what Jesus did for me. Oh, you're always going to be like this. No, no, I don't know who you're talking to. I'm on my way out. I'm on my way up. God's about to deliver me up out of Egypt right now. I'm about to come out strong hand. Right? So that's what we've got to do. All right, point number two. Let Christ redefine you. I don't know how my watch did that. I got a movie playing on my watch. Excuse me. Wow, that's wild. All right. So let Christ redefine you. Now, going back to John 15, Jesus was redefining this group of men. Hey, hey uh, uh, Ryan, I want you to throw that back up there. And remind me, I want to pray for you tonight before you leave. Tonight's Ryan's last night for a little while because he, he got out of God's will and took a job down in Clearwater. I'm just kidding, man. But I am praying you come back. Get, you get a job back up here. Bring up, bring up John, uh, uh, John 15 and uh, verse 15. Yeah. So I want you to see this. Jesus was redefining this group of men. He said, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. That's a, redef- that's a redefining. Because here's what I want you to see in my next slide now. God never wanted slaves. He always wants friends. He always wanted friends. I am a friend of God. Come on, Justin, sing. I just want y'all to know he told me that many of you started sending him texts the next morning. Come on, wake up. I'm a friend of God. He hates that song. Because he don't want to be God's friend. Now I've had to sing this song. So the latest great Gordon Lindsay, in his book, The Life and Teachings of Christ, here's what he wrote. That God created man to be his companion, his friend of God. Listen, God really doesn't need your praise. He said, I inhabit it, but I don't have to have it. Because if you didn't do it, the rocks would cry out to me. If you didn't do it, the trees are still going to worship me and the sparrow is still going to worship me if you don't do it. Praise what we just did, what we praise God is more for you, not God. God doesn't get built up and go, whoo, yeah, come on, bring it up, bring it up. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit powerful. Now I can do something. No, God is God. That's for us. That's for us bringing us out of the pit, trading in our, 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 our garment of praise for the spirit, or the spirit of heaviness for the, what is it? Garment of heaviness for the spirit of praise. Something like that. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your hand to God. What in the spirit? What in understanding? Anyway, you get what I mean. To move up into that category 
as a friend of God takes faith. Now think about that. The invitation is there, but will you accept it is the question. It must have blown their collective minds to hear the Messiah say, I call you friends. Now, we talked a little bit last week about the two titans that God called friends. It's the only two that he called friends in the Bible, which is Moses and Abraham. But how could they occupy that space as friend of God? Moses and Abraham moved beyond the confines of servant and interacted with God as friends. Man, that, I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool. And, and I'm going to tell you, probably what kind of sparked this in me is when, when Brian Cutshaw, can't stand him, was at my house. You know, every morning at about 5 o'clock, he gets up and goes, spends like time with God for like a couple of hours. And he told me this. He goes, he goes you know, Ronnie, it's just such a way now that I just feel like that he's a good friend waiting on me to to join him in the morning. I'm like, I'm not even saved. I get up and spend time with God in the morning, but it's like, I'm coming, Jesus. I mean, come on, you want to be real, right? I don't get up speaking in tongues and, oh, oh, God, I just can't wait to get there. No, sometimes I read the Bible and I go, I have no idea what I just read. Right? It's a good habit to have, have, but I just... But no, not, not Brian and God. They're friends. God's sharing things with him. He didn't share it with me. But, but I really got convicted over that. Then I'm like, well, I want to be God's friend. And then I begin to realize it's for Everybody. Do you know why some friends are better friends than others? Well, one, they, they click, but you know, that's, but they spend time with each other. I don't know why we're not friends. I just met you, bro. I'm not even sure if I like you yet. Right? I started thinking about one of my best friends, Chris Chrysopoulos. We met at youth camp when I needed a, a, a and I was trying to figure out how we became friends because I, 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 I was the camp's, supervisor type thing and I went into his I needed somebody to watch this cabin because uh, a boys if you've ever been to youth camp 15 teenage boys they they the, the the counselor got sick and had to go home so I needed somebody so I knew that he was on the rec staff so I went in and woke him up hey man are you Chris Katopolis this Chrysopolis and I yeah, yeah I said I need you man can you come help and then from then on we just kind of started hanging out and we become very very good friends but it's, but it's because we hung out, right? you got to do that. If, if you don't hang out with someone, especially in the beginning, then you won't develop that friendship. I've got friends of mine now, Well, and it's like Brian. I don't talk to Brian every day. But when we get back together now, when his wife and my wife, when we get back together, it's like we never left each other because that's just good friends. I love it when it's like that, right? Good friendship. All right, that's why I want to be with God. So, Brian, move over, bro. I'm finna take your best friend. Now I know me. All right, now when you begin to talk about 
being God's friends, people get a little nervous. Well, how arrogant. I can't believe that you would say that you are God's friend. Well, we can be. We can be. We can strive to be. And it may sound arrogant, it may sound audacious, but I believe that's where we ought to strive to be, getting closer to God. But if we can change our mindset from just master to friend. Now here's, now here's the, oh, I'm about to get ahead of myself. Let me move on. I'll come back to that. Don't ever allow limited men who have limited God to limit you by their judgment and by their suppositions and their, even their opinions. Don't let them do it. Uh, you, you can't do that. Why? Because it never happened for me. Well, it could happen for me. Don't let them tell, don't let them steal your joy. Don't let them steal your zeal about what God wants to do. Have that vision. Now, the Bible said Moses talked with God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Because Moses had stepped into this friendship relationship with God, he did something outlandish. And I'm all reading because of time's sake. But Exodus 32, verses 9 through 14, uh, God, you know, this is what was crazy. Now, uh, <clears throat> the. Um, Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. And the first commandment was, Thou shalt not have no other gods before me. And while God was giving him the Ten Commandments, the people down in on the valley was breaking the first commandment. But, and then God said, I'm just going to wipe them out. And Moses intervened and turned the tide. Moses was working with God, not just for God. Moses acted as if God was his friend. How must it, it must have blessed God's heart? So he, he turned the wrath of God. <laughs> I mean, I do. And then what about Abraham? In Genesis 18 and 20. 18, 20 through 25 is the time of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God come walking by and Abraham, he began to talk to Abraham. And Abraham said, Lord, he began to bargain, negotiated with the Almighty. I mean, I know some of us like doing that too. God, I know you asked for 10%, but how about nine? God, if you'll just do this, I'll do that, right? But no, but no, here he is with God. He is bargaining with God. He said, Lord, God said, I'm going down to, down, down, down to destroy. He said, hey, God, if you find 50, would you spare them? God said, all right, for you, I'm going to do that. He started to go around and started to leave, and Abraham thought, man, I was in that town last week. Hey, how about 40? If you find 40, all right, all right. I know the government officials there. Hey, hey, hey. How about 30? And he went all the way down. If you find 10, would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? He goes, okay. So think about that, man. When you're such a friend that you can talk and negotiate and, and, and try to get them to see another, another, another way. Number three is this. God, point number three, God yearns for friends. For those he will share his heart, his passions, and his goals. Isn't it sad that we've come to a place in our life that we can't even share 
the goodness of the Lord because of the judgment of people? Woo, God gave me a raise. Well, I ain't ever got a raise. I don't know why God give you a raise and not me a raise. I've been serving him 20 years. I ain't got no raise. I'm tired or I'm a giver. I don't know why. Oh, can you just worship with me? I got a new house. New house. My God, I know stuff on you. I can't believe God would get stuff on you in a new house. You don't serve him like I serve him. I mean, I'm a good Christian. You're just like a, one of them minimal Christians. Right? Oh, I caught a cobia. Oh, I don't know why God would give you a cobia, not me a cobia, probably because I didn't go fishing. But anyway, I don't know why God do that. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? So it's to a point we can't even celebrate what God has done. Oh, our business is doing so great. Really, how good? Really? Hey, man, I need a loan. Yeah. Right? How close of friends are we? Too good a closer friends that I won't loan you money because I know you. You won't pay it back. And then I'm going to have to come beat you down. Anyway, how wonderful it must be that he wants to share that. But friendship is the highest evolution. I found this definition today. Friendship is the highest evolution of love, the greatest designation God can give us, and the most intimate name you can call anyone is friend. Now, I'm going to tell you what, man. In my study today, uh, uh, my study took a left turn. Because in my mind, I was, and I, I had wrote this down, because uh, um, I talked about, I, or I'm going to get to it here in a moment, but I, I talked about, I was going to say, man, isn't it wonderful when, when your best friend is your lover? But then I, I changed that because I, I don't know why I had to be the Holy Spirit. I went and looked up what lover means in the new dictionary. The mod, I'm, I guess I'm old-fashioned. But the modern dictionary defines lover as a person having a sexual or romantic relationship with someone, often outside of marriage. No wonder people look at you and go, oh, he's my lover. If they read that definition... So, I'm like, well, after that disaster for the word, I went and looked at intimacy, which means close familiarity or friendship, closeness, the intimacy between husband and wife. All right, I'll use that. But in the context of what I'm using, isn't it wonderful when your spouse is also your friend? When you move, you know, when, when you've been married, anybody been married less than a year in here? All right, all right, so y'all ought to be out of that stage. You know, first marriage, you know, when you when you first get married, I know a woman that she got up 30 minutes before her husband every day for six months to put on her makeup so he wouldn't see her without makeup. No, man, when you've been married 35 years, like, are you gonna put on makeup? Why do I need it? Yes. Not my wife, but yours. You know, when, when you've been married that long, come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Your wife comes out and goes, oh, you wearing that? No, 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 no. I just put this on to wait till you told me what I'm going to wear. That's, that's what I, I was just waiting on you. You was in the bathroom putting on your makeup, and I didn't want to mess with you, and I didn't know what to wear, so I just, I just threw this on in kind, of a, in kind of a holding pattern until you told me what you wanted me to wear. Anybody knew how to match clothes before you got married and didn't realize you don't? My wife does an amazing job with me. 
But many times I pick out my own clothes. Amen. But now check this out. The definition of a true friend. The definition says, is someone who has your back no matter. A true friend will always have your best interest at heart. They watch out for you. They ensure you are not in danger. They will never purposely lead you into making decisions that aren't good for you. A true friend always has your best interest at heart. We all want, yearn for friends. We were created and fashioned for friendship. Yet, most of the scars, most of the brokenness, most of our pain has come because we were looking for friends but did not really know what a friend is. So, we were fooled into putting people into positions that they could not or would not qualify for. My God, you better bring friendship. I'm trying to. Point number four, and I'm almost done. It's 821 and my movie's still playing. What can I expect from my friend? And what can my friend expect from me? One who is attached to another by affection. One who entertains for another feeling of esteem, respect, devotion, which leads him to desire their company and to seek to promote their happiness and their prosperity uh, as opposed to a, friend, or to a foe or an enemy. Jesus called you friend. This means that he has feelings of esteem for you. He called you friend, which means that he has respect for you. He calls you friend because he has affection or a fondness for you. And these feelings lead him to desire our company and to seek or promote your happiness and prosperity. See, I hear the Lord saying something. I hear him saying, I created nothing to be miserable. I created nothing to be unhappy, nothing to be depressed. All things were created, Jesus said, for my pleasure. Now, I, you know, I, I use a lot of modern versions, but I, I had to go back to the King James on this one. Re, like, he was there when, when, when they wrote it. But anyway, <laughs> Revelation 4.11. Revelation 4.11 said this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure Thou hast created. Or thou hast, they were created. I receive pleasure from that which I created. He created you. Do you have the, do you, I mean, I don't think about this. You have the ability to make God smile. You have the ability. You know, you ever been so proud of your daughter, your, your son? You're like, man, I'm just so proud of them. That's how God feels about us sometimes. But isn't it wonderful, uh, 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 parents, when your children become your friends? But, 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 but. I gotta hit this. Musicians, come on back. We're gonna, we're gonna go back into that same song. Come on back. <clears throat> but but here, 
You've got to remember though, even though they're your friends, they're still your child. And you can't ever you can't ever forget that. Now, I'm gonna share with you two stories and I'm done. One is a personal experience, and the other is a, is a story of a missionary. Quite a few years ago, we had a, we had a man here. As a matter of fact, it was Sister Cap's son-in-law, uh, Ken Lee. Many of you remember Ken Lee. And Ken Lee was the first employee, if you will, for the Crystal River Church of God besides myself. He started out just answering the phones and then kind of became the ugliest secretary I've ever had. And uh, it's just true. He's a dude. Come on, bro. And so, <clears throat> but, but then he, but one day I was having to reprimand him. And we were friends. We went to lunch together. You know, we, we were friends. And I had to reprimand him. And, and I ain't saying anything. Ken could, Ken could be moody. And so he was a little sulk, sulky. And so I put up with that about four days walking around on eggshells. Then I'm waiting, wait a minute. I'm the boss. Why am I walking on eggshells? So I went to his office. I said, hey, bro, what's your problem? Well, I'm just trying to process some things. I go, all right, let's process. He goes, well, I I don't know if you're my friend or my boss. I go, that's easy. I am both. But if you can't handle me being both, I would rather be your friend, so look for a new job. Now, some people can't handle that. That's not, some people can't handle that. So at times, I'm going to have to say what I need to say to you. All right, so, so that tells me, I don't want to walk in the room and everybody go, right? But let me tell you, let me, let me share this story with you. A young man gave his heart to God and left a successful, blossoming business career. And his denomination sent him, along with his wife and baby, to a remote village in the region of the Amazon. They threw themselves into preaching of the gospel with zeal. He and his family did all that they could to grow that little church, but nothing happened. The people did not come, and the few Christians who were there when they came did not share the preacher's excitement. He worked in the stifling humidity, watching his personal funds gradually drain away. The tithes from the little congregation were paid in vegetables. And the weeks passed into months, and he watched in mental agony his wife and child living on a starvation diet. His denomination assured him that they would send money, but it rarely came. He felt disillusioned. Abandoned by God and abandoned by humanity. One night while lying awake in the stifling humidity, he felt his discouragement take over. He woke up his wife and said, pack up. I've decided we're going back to Rio de Janeiro. But before leaving, I need to go process my anger toward God. He brought us up here. He dumped us. He doesn't care whether we live or die. And I've got to tell him how I feel. Well, I'm in in somebody's living room right now. He left her to pack while he went off to a small shack to vent his anger. Called it prayer. 
For hours he railed and raged at God for bringing them to such a place, expecting him and his family to serve under such impossible conditions. He shook his fist at God and shouted, Did you bring us here to starve us to death? And then he wept at his own disappointment in God. Have you been there? In the early afternoon, he sensed God's presence fill that cabin and greatness, stillness came over him and he heard God speak clearly and distinctly to his heart. Here's what he said God said to him. He said, above all, I desire your friendship. And if serving me interrupts and disrupts our friendship, I would rather you go back to your business and continue to be my friend. Your friendship is more important to me than your acts of service. I hope that hits you like it did me. He dissolved, his, in, he dissolved into tears of wonder and joy. And his whole concept of Christianity was radically altered that day with those words. He now realized that he had been trained to see God as a master whom he served. He now realizes that his whole life had been an attempt to work for God rather than live out a relationship of love and friendship with God. He remembered that his denominational leaders had sent him out with the words, go and do a work for God. He understood what it meant to be a servant of God, but he did not understand what it meant to be a friend of God. He now saw that his primary calling was not to serve God, but to pursue God and develop a relationship. Anybody who's ever served, anybody who's ever ministered, that ought to, that ought to change, change your perspective. You're not working for God. You know, Justin and I are friends. He's our executive pastor, and we spend a lot of time together, and we're friends. And as his friend and pastor, I have to be careful of telling him anything that I want or need. Because he will do it sometimes at the expense of his wife, and she's a lot prettier than me. And she's going to kiss him. I'm But that's because of friendship. And when you're that close of friends, you just, if you see your friend with a need, you just, and you have the ability to fill it, you just want to fill it. And when we worship God and pursue God, not as just master, I'm your servant, but no, you are God. And you want to be my friend. It changes how you work, how you serve. Because now you're just, you want to please your friend. You want to help your friend. Am I making sense to anybody? Romans 5.11. The Bible says in 
And not this only, or not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have no, are now received the reconciliation. Now that reconciliation is a Greek word that I cannot pronounce, but it means to change a state of relationship from enemy to friend. How many do you remember when you were an enemy of God? No, you didn't call yourself an enemy of God, but you were. But I love what the New Living Translation, he breaks it down. So now we rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Friends of God. One writer declared, a friend is one soul in two bodies. And I'm going to close with this. God, what's what's my last one? God can trust His friends because they have His heart and they have His best interest in mind. When was the last time that you said, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Let me come along beside you. See, what most of us do is, God, here's what I'm going to do, God. I hope you bless it. Instead of going, God, what do you want to do? And let me come along beside it. And that's why so many people get burned out. Because they're working for God instead of working with God. They're working, trying to, they're working for the master instead of working with their friend. But again, I, I, please understand, I don't want you to get so casual with God that you forget He's God. See, listen. When I'm with Dr. Brian Cutshaw, you will never, when, when it's just him and Sherry and I, you're never going to hear me say, hey, Dr. Brian, would you? No, it's Brian. But when we're in public, it's Dr. Brian. It's Pastor Brian. Pastor B. It's what his, what his congregation used to call him, Pastor B. And I'll call him that. Why? Because I still, he's my friend, but I know the pecking order. I'm just... Happy to be your friend, bro. And people are like, I don't know why you're his friend. I said, me neither. I hope he never figures it out. You got friends like that? You're like, I don't know why we're friends, but hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then you are probably got some friends like, I don't know why I'm his friend. Oh, I kicked them to the curb a long time ago. And they're going, thank you, Jesus, that they didn't kick me to the curb. That's why we are with God, man. He's still God. He's still King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the bright in the morning star, the lily of the valley, the lifter of our countenance. He is God, but He wants you to be His friend. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you this question. And I'm not going to count you on my report as getting saved again. But how many of you here have been serving God as master and you need a redefining moment to serve Him as friend? If that's you, come on, just lift up your hand. Hands all over this building. Hey, I'm, I got my hand up. I want you to take a moment. I'm not going to lead you in this prayer. Because I'm not going to be there to lead you how to talk to Him. 
But I want you to go along the lines as God, I want to know you. And I want to be your friend. And I know to be your friend, I got to do what you ask. And I got to live a life, but not a lie, but a life. And God, help me to press in to be your friend. To be your friend, I got to spend some time with you. Help me not to get carried away with this way or that way and forget to spend time with you because I know you want to be my friend. Can you imagine if when you get into trouble and you tell the, the devil, hang on, let me, let me get my friend. Woo! Hang on a minute, let me. Look, at, look up here for just a minute. And I'll, Bob, I hope you're okay with this. Come here, Bob. Jeff, I want you to come here. Now, if I'm going to get in a fight, I know he's fit and he's wiry and all that stuff. But if I'm going to get in a fight, sorry, man. I'm going to have to go with Big Jeff. Because just the sheer of his presence. Listen to me. Now, I know Bob's a big, he's a big man on the inside. I know that. But just the sheer presence of Jeff would make somebody who's going to attack me go, going to have to size him up. When God is your friend and the devil comes in like a flood, God said, I'll be there. And he steps up and, and the devil goes, wait a minute, that's your friend? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's better than having Chuck Norris, man. It's better than having checkers. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. That's what we want God to be our friend. Let's just take a moment. Let's, it's well, my, my watch is almost dead from playing that movie all service. I, oh, it's all the pictures that are on my phone. Just oh, it's eight thirty-eight. I gotta quit. Can we just lift our hands for just, give me two minutes, 840, and we'll, we'll dismiss. Hallelujah. I am not alone. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it has inspired you like never before. For more information about Crystal River Church of God, how to give, or even our upcoming events, be sure to check us out at crystalrivercog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast, and we will see you next week here at CRCOG.